The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, episode 107. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Cialana, a.k.a. The Bendu, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. We're missing our regular host, Father Fett, while he's taking care of some family business, so to speak, but we're looking forward to his return very soon. Today, we'll be discussing the layers of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa. So when I got the gang together for the Vespa party today, I made sure everyone knew it was BYOR, Bring Your Own Rancor. So let's see who is here. First of all, it's uh, the return of Mudhorn, Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. What's up, guys? Good to be here. Happy New Year to all of you. Yes. Fantastic. Glad you're here with us. and. Uh, Let's see, in the cloak there, I see old Ben, a.k.a. Mike Creevy. Hello, Mike. Hey, I'm, I'm literally growing my hair out for the Kenobi show, so uh, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, we we will get into Chapter 3, but uh, did anybody have any ham solo adventures in Star Wars nerd life this week or, Andrew, since you've been with us? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so I did secure... Uh, tickets to uh, Star Wars Night at Disneyland for Ooh. May the 4th. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing that stands out. Yeah, since since uh, we've last all been together. So I'm yeah, gearing up for that. So that, that's around oh. my birthday. So it'll be it'll be a fun time. Nice. I discovered that unfortunately a Kersantan lunch or lunch meat order just makes someone think that, you know, it's a, a sort of um, exotic name and that you <laughs> typed it wrong and threw another R in there. It's a ty- so it's like, all right, it's, it needs to be something a little more alien sounding, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I am loving that character, though. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, uh, so my coworkers know that I do this podcast and one of them. Um, hello, Jason. Uh, he is also a big Star Wars fan, and he's been talking about like every episode the day after it comes out. But I'm always kind of responding to him with like, yep, it was good. <laughs> because I got to save up my like Boba Fett energy right. for the podcast. So absolutely, um, if you hear this, Jason, please accept my apologies. And uh, and if you uh, listeners know a coworker or friend or family member who's watching Boba Fett, uh, Book of Boba Fett, tell them that you can. Find The Secrets of Star Wars in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. And of course, our previous episodes are at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. All right, guys. So 
What were your first impressions of the streets of Mos Espa? Um, Go go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun episode. Um, I, uh, I know I wasn't, I wasn't here for the first two uh, episodes. Um, So I think I fall in line with, you know, maybe some of you where the first episode maybe didn't really catch me. The second episode really did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I could, I could have used less of the flashbacks. So this one was um, a kind of a good mix of what I wanted was some of the flashbacks, but it didn't really take over the episode. And um, I feel like it, it finally put to rest at least that a first portion of that flashback story that I know mm-hmm. we'll get to um, that tragic ending. Um, but so I didn't want the show to spend too much time continuing on with that Tuscan Raiders storyline. So I'm glad we got to at least wrap up that first part. And, and I thought the, uh, um, you know, the action and, and, Kersantin and seeing him and, and how powerful he is. Uh, uh, it was nice to see him, you know, kind of be a focal point of the episode and uh, the, the whole Danny Trejo ran- rancor thing at the end. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. And uh, the spy kids made an appearance. Uh, <laughs> I guess the spy kids are going to be a part of this, this show. I guess we should expect nothing less from Robert Rodriguez. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I thought, I mean, I thought they were cool. I thought they were interesting. I know it's, it's been a mixed bag. So, you know, with their, uh, their first appearance on the show and, and with how their, their bikes received. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, you know, the, the, the infamous chase scene that, that obviously we'll we'll talk about, but (laughs) all in all, it, it worked for me. And, um, I feel like this is the episode uh, probably similar to, to Mandalorian where like it's around episode three, where the real story kind of kicks off um, and it sets it up for where the rest of the series is going to go with, you know, knowing what crime syndicates we're going to be dealing with and, and you know, the, the war that's about to take place. So yeah, I thought it was a good setup for the rest of the season. And um, yeah, it, it, I had a lot of fun watching it. So um, it, all in all, it was a positive, positive one for me. Yeah, I agree, too. I, I think um, I was just telling, you know, you guys before we started recording just a little bit again, you know, we will <laughs> we'll get to the Vespa chase. But the um, <laughs> but, but because that was such a, a, a front and center thing, I think, in the conversation, obviously, that we all, we all saw. Um, I just watched it again tonight, and I was actually I was telling Angela, I guess, Andrew, I don't think I mentioned you, but, um, you know, the second go around, um, yeah, I, I think I really enjoyed it more and was able to see that sort of bigger storyline. I think it's, um, I was talking to my sister about this, where the book ends of the family, I'm the, uh, I just turned 38 and she's 13. So there's a significant age gap between the two of us, but we're kind of like twins in some ways too, because we're very similar. <laughs> um, and so that's funny, but we were talking about it and she was like, she was behind on this show and she like, because she's 13 and she can still do this kind of thing. She like binge watched it all last night until you know, like <laughs> three in the morning and she's texting me like, this is awesome. And I'm like, like the next morning, like, what? Oh yeah, you were up. So, um, but it, we were talking about it and I said, um, it's so clearly, um, it's so clearly from the same you know team in so many ways that gave us the Mandalorian 
that you can't miss it. I think that's pretty obvious, but I, I just think there's still part of me that's learning how to let go a little bit of, of expecting it to have the same kind of like pace, you know, because each episode of Mandalorian for the most part, you know, kind of had that neat little bow on the end of it. And, you know, the, the, I think it, I feel like Mandalorian plays a little more episodically in terms of, of, you know, right. um, little mm-hmm. like novellas or just short little, like almost short stories that where there's yeah. a, big, a bigger narrative, but they're kind of decent standalone. And I really don't think it's the same with this. Like, I, I think that you really need to look at this, like the title says, as a book. Mm-hmm. And there's some chapters are better than others or, or you know, a, a chapter needs to be there to set up something more important. So, you know, you might sacrifice a little in terms of initial fan reaction. But I mean, clearly, like, I mean, we're not even I guess next week would be the, the midpoint episode, mm-hmm. you know, so that's going to have to. It feels like they've clearly built up to this being like a hinge episode coming up, probably. Um, and clearly, you know, like we'll get into some of these details as we go too. but, you know, who's really behind some of the things that are going yeah. on and been happening. Those are like really important things that could swing this a lot of different ways. So I, I, I enjoyed it. And my first impressions, well, besides the obvious contrast between like this episode and the seriousness of chapter two, chapter three for me was just fun. Like after yeah. my husband and I finished watching this one, I was like, this show still like has all the stuff that a kid would want Boba Fett, like yep. action figure saying like, let's give him a space biker gang of kids. Right. And like, <laughs> what if he rode the Rancor into Mos Espa? You know, it's just like, you know, if you take it like a kid and like just having fun with Star Wars, it's like, dude, this is great. Um, and, you know, I think people may have overlooked it, but yes, the story is advancing and we're still getting this look into Boba's psyche and his mm-hmm. like memories. So there's another layer to it as well. Um, and now something that we've been discussing on our previous episodes is the Star Wars humor. And personally, I thought that the beginning of this episode, so as we're getting into our discussion here, it really delivered the Star Wars humor, like, you know, AD8 saying the name that shall not be named. And then Boba's like, you can say Jabba. He's dead. He can't hurt you. <laughs> he's yeah, like, I thought, you, I thought you'd be insulted. You know, and he's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was so great. He's like, well, now I am insulted. Right. I think Tamara Morrison's like delivery was just on point. I was laughing a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and we got a lot of exposition as well in this uh, very beginning. So, uh, after Bib assumed Jabba's throne, then Mos Espa was divided into these three families, Trandoshans, Aquilish, and Clutunians. And then Bib was lining the mayor's pocket. So guys, like we really didn't see a whole lot of the implications of this three family setup in this particular episode. But I was wondering if you had any thoughts on like, what will Boba's relationship with these three families look like as we go forward? Um, I think, I mean, Boba, as we've learned in these first three episodes, he's not as on the offensive as we thought he might have been. I mean, he's very calculated. Um, and I think he realizes that um, you have to you have to kind of play all sides and see what is more beneficial to you. He, he um, You know, the line in the first episode where he... Um, or I think it was in the first episode. I know it was in the trailer where he he's basically telling, I forget, I forget who he's speaking to exactly, but he's saying it, it's more profitable if we all cooperate. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, he realizes his limits. Um, and I think, you know, his, obviously the flashbacks, the, with the, his experience with the Tuscan Raiders, I think that's kind of forming who he is now and what kind of person he is. Um, so I think his relationship going forward with, with these different crime families is just going to be more of the same is kind of just feeling them out and mm-hmm. seeing who he can work with and who he might have to go to war <laughs> with, uh, uh, or against. So, um, anything can happen. I think it just, it, it really depends on, uh, what kind of, you know, army or gang is on his side. And we, uh, in this episode, obviously he's, he gained, you know, a, a few, uh, young, um, soldiers, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> spy kids. Yeah. Spy kids. <laughs> um, so I think that'll have a lot to do with it. He has a rancor who may or may not be, uh, cooperative. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's yet to be determined. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's still figuring things out. So, uh, no matter what, I know he's, he's going to be careful and, 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 uh, that's very smart because he could easily, you know, I mean, we saw, the, I mean, the huts are already mm-hmm. not they're playing to, the game. Yeah. They're already playing the game and, and, and it could have easily mm-hmm. gone sideways, uh, if, if he didn't have the help. So you know, that's kind of the feeling I have. I don't think he's going to change course. Uh, I think he realizes that um, he, he, he may have gone, he, I think he knew what he got himself into. And, mm. and I, I think he knew it wasn't going to be an easy road. So um, that's, that's sort of my take on it, at least from, from okay. what we've seen so far. I just think it's so interesting too. the, you know, I don't know if you guys ever watch any of those pitch meetings on, on YouTube. Oh, yeah, those are great. <laughs> uh, which is just, you know, but what, you know, the guy doing the pitch meeting for, uh, I, th- I think it was for episode one, because I think he did something similar for episode two, but I think it was for episode one. And he's like, you know, so you got a new Star Wars movie. He's like, yeah. And he's like, you know, it's like, we really want to do a, a, a prequel series that really reaches our, especially a younger audience. So let's fill it with intergalactic politics and trade federations. <laughs> he's like, that sounds, he's like, yes. kids do love politics. <laughs> but but what's what's funny is it's like, you know, it's, it's just an interesting, it's interesting. It's not to focus on it, but just this reality that, you know, you have the empire in charge for, you know, 20 plus years and doesn't really seem to make and, you know, any impact whatsoever on the operations on Kessel, you know, mm-hmm. and the pikes, the pikes operation, the huts, it's like, you know, it's business as usual for them. Right. It's just, you know, new uniforms. And so now we're five years into the new Republic and it's, who cares? Like, well, you know, it's just, so you really do get that vibe of like the, the, the urgency of, well, not the urgency, the, um, and I'm not defending organized crime. Let's just be clear about that. But, but, but <laughs> oh, the reality of like, 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 like <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just in case, no, but Boba Fett, you know, here, like, and he's such a complex character, of course. So I'm not, you know, bringing him just down to like a crime Lord, although that's what he's trying to make himself here. We don't know why entirely yet. Mm. Um, I have some theories about that too, but it's like, it's almost like, what do you expect? You know, this is the world, like there's no, you know, Mm. it would be sort of a destiny fallacy to have Boba like show up in the, in the core systems and be like, you know, show up and surrender his Mandalorian armor and be like, I would like to join the cause. Like, yeah, no, you know, and we got that from Mandalorian season two, where he just very clearly is like, you know, I swear allegiance to no one. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. he's like, 
uh, because as an angel like you and i were talking about in that first episode like just this whole thing of like he has not like he has no this complex thing of being a clone like he has no lineage like he is his father in a way but not you know like genetically he's identical so you know what's that like first of mm-hmm. all but then like to, to have his own unique soul which we of course from a catholic perspective you know like he's he's obviously he's his own person his own entity and these right. are his circumstances and it's like there's no real home to go to is he mandalorian or isn't he you know if mm. he is mandalorian does that mean all the clone troopers were mandalorian yeah you know point. like it's just it's a i think we talked about that back in our clone wars or a bad batch i think you know at one point we were talking about that so it is like you know and you saw how the the how bo katan you know what she thinks of him you know, and so there's mm-hmm. no like you don't expect him to be welcomed with open arms when he goes home to Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if he did, you know, Django was a foundling. So even there and there's that are they real Mandalorians or not? So it is a really interesting like what is his who is he? What's his identity? What's his purpose? And I I'm really loving this character development of him becoming this father figure and the yeah. parallels in a totally different kind of way. The parallels with Mando and Grogu. But to explore some of those same themes in in this very different way, I think, is really brilliant. You know, it gives us so much to, you know, talk about each week. <laughs> yeah, and I think Boba, you know, he's kind of like at a different stage in his life than um, than Din is in The mm-hmm. Mandalorian um, in regards to just himself as a man and then also his experience just out in the world um, with all kinds of different people. Obviously, Din does have some of that being a bounty hunter, but Boba's backstory, as far as we can see, is a little bit more colorful uh, than Din's. So they're definitely, yeah, there are different points in their life and and we're seeing that different relationships develop um, with Boba here. And as we move forward in the in the chapter, we also get the, this visitor who kind of points everything sort of we where everything comes from uh this particular meeting with lortha peel is his name and he's played by steven root uh this was the first time i was so happy to see him that was awesome (laughs) yeah so i guess you guys have been like really um familiar with his his other work as well mostly office space space. okay that's always the first thing because he's of course like i just love like here he is bringing a complaint which he's doing in a very different way than he did as Milton, but still, this guy just can't quite ever get what he wants, you know? <laughs> he's not a good self-advocate, you know? <laughs> yeah, and um, I just loved his line, I am insulted on your behalf. I thought that was just a hoot. I was uh, open so- his thing up with, like, no one respects you. I'm like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> So he says that there's a street gang who modify their bodies with droid parts to make themselves even more deadly. And then we go out to meet them and they're basically just kids without jobs. Right. And so Boba like does the dad thing where he's like, well, I'll give you a job, you know, and he clears their debt and tells the watermonger to lower his prices. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is very much to me, this was the dad thing to do. I don't know if you guys kind of took the gesture that way as well, kind of, you know, about his character and and where he is right now. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, he promised that things would change. uh, And this is, you know, part of the deal is, is, you know, when he sees something that's clearly wrong, 
you know, um, this guy's charging way too much for water and, uh, and he can see that these kids are out in trouble. You know, he's kind of knocking two birds with one stone. He's like, better start lowering your prices, um, you know, or else, uh, and, and letting these kids know, like, you know, there's a, there's an opportunity for you here, you know, to, to, to start making some money and, and, you know, staying out of trouble, you know, probably going to get in, already getting into trouble, you know, on behalf of, of, uh, Boba Fett, but, um, at least, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting for something and getting paid for it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this is, uh, you know, who he is, cause you know, obviously again, tying, going back to the Tuscan Raider flashbacks, how he sort of, they, I mean, they, he took them in while he was in prison and then they took him in, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a back and forth sort of thing. So I think he, and ultimately he was the one that, um, you know, taught, you know, taught them how to fend for themselves, you know, against, uh, against the, the, the bullet train and, and all that sort of thing. And I feel like this is, this is just an example of like, you know, if he, if he's going to, succeed at this criminal empire thing i think it's less of a criminal empire more actually being a mayor like a real mayor that's just uh, it seems like an actual mayor because i mean it it seems like he boba is way less corrupt than the actual mayor so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, boba's trying to clean up that mess uh obviously he's a lot he's in it for himself and um you know fennec is more like just wanting to kill everybody. But, uh, you know, I think he, again, like the point I made earlier, he's, he's, he's more measured and he has principles. And, um, I, I think being, being that fatherly type, uh, being that caretaker type is, is a big part of it. I almost feel bad for, uh, for Fennec, you know, just because it's like, it reminds me a little of major pain, you know, when he's going nuts at the beginning of the movie, he's like, it's been three whole weeks since I killed me a man. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, Fennec, like Fennec, like just holding back all the time. She's like, should I do this? He's like, don't do that. Don't worry. She's like, ah, it's what I do. You introduce me as master assassin everywhere we go. You know? <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. The um, Just for fun. I just like the two. Well, and kind of somewhat serious too. maybe a little bit of a critique with the gang. I don't know if it was just I was expecting something different. Actually, when he first started talking about them, and then I kind of had to think it through a little bit because the augmentation thing didn't make sense as far as like technology. Mm-hmm, right. But I was starting to wonder if he was going to go after Tuskins, you know, and then he's having a problem with Tuskins, and then there's going to be this conflict with Boba. But that's that's not where it went, of course. But but when he goes into town, I was kind of just like, as soon as I saw them, <laughs> the two things that came to mind were. I was like, these guys aren't as scary as, as Griff's crew in Back to the Future 2, which is very <laughs> Like, I was thinking, of, like, that's, I can't unsee that now. It's like, I just, you know, I'm expecting hoverboards and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, that's, maybe there was some, maybe a little aesthetic influence from some of that, because it really reminded me of that a little bit. Um, but then I, honestly, I thought, I like them. I just wonder if it wouldn't have hurt to throw an alien or two in. Mm. And I'm sure there's a reason they're all human, you know, but I just thought, I don't know if it would have made it a little more, like if one of them was a Trandoshan mm-hmm. or one of them, I don't know. It just, it would have been, I felt like it just made it, it didn't seem as Star Warsy to me just to have like a couple of kind of futuristic looking kids. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I just, I think that was something I thought would have, for me personally would have been maybe a little bit, you know, more in that direction that would have, would have helped. But, uh, 
I don't know. We'll just have to, again, it's early. We've what five, five episodes to go or whatever. So, uh, and they've yeah. already, you know, they've proven themselves quite useful <laughs> pretty quickly. You know, so. that's a great critique. I think um, the other thing that I've seen is uh, maybe being a reference to American Graffiti. Of course, yeah. George Lucas's first, you know, really big. Uh, they could have thrown a Gungan and, in there. No, that's not, not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> They'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's all human. Like there's no Trandosians or Clotunians or Aquilish because they're mm-hmm. kind of in charge of those other aspects of, yeah. the, of the city. So they wouldn't be like, you know, jobless and just trying to get by. Right. I don't right. know. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, he didn't say that, that any humans were like, he it's, it's like, these guys have this third, these guys have this third. There's no, right. like the humans run this se- section. So they're kind of, yeah, they're the, the odd men and women out in this case. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe, but I totally, I can see where that might've helped a little bit to have some, some aliens in there. Um, so that's when we get the title card with the chapter title and then we get this. The second of two great creature moments in this episode um, that we've got to talk about. The first one was the very beginning with the spider looking droid carrying the brain of a monk. Uh, Yes, you heard me right. Uh, (laughs) So did you guys know the backstory to this like in Legends? It, vaguely, but I, I could use a refresher. I didn't look it up before. <laughs> yeah, so apparently Jawa's Palace in Legends was constructed by Boomer monks who isolated themselves from all feeling and emotion so that they could focus and enhance the power of their minds. And when they reached this enlightenment stage, they would have their brains surgically removed and kept in this spider droid, which is called a brain walker, so that they could still be moved around. <laughs> That's not how I want to go, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, so that's well, kind of cool. We, that's I think cool. we saw. Didn't you? You you saw it, if I remember correctly, or or a, a far away precursor for this in uh, Return of the Jedi when um, when R two just flies through the gate and keeps moving, and and three PO's back by the gate, like nervous to go in, and then he sees the sees it crawling behind him, and he like mm. runs towards R two. Um, so I think that's, that's the, but it was, you it was are, from you, a distance. You're right. Yeah. You're was right. That, yeah. They were in that. Yeah. And that was just like, I don't, I don't need to see that. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still getting over the passenger episode of Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Although this one was because it was more robotic. I think it didn't freak me out as much because right. it's not like an exactly. actual spider. I don't well, know. Of right. course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. Carrying your brain. So very, way less right. free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But it's a monk's brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so now we see this lizard being eaten by like this bird-like creature, which is then eaten by this giant toad. And then eventually we see that toad cooked on Boba's dinner table. I don't know if you caught that. I caught that the second time. And I was kind of like, oh, this is sort of like the Mos Espa circle of life here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah. So back at the uh, back to tank. Boba is having this recurring dream of being a child in bed on Camino and running after his father's departing ship in his room and then kind of staring out as it leaves. Um, so we've been talking about, yeah, like his his relationship to his father and and what is it for him? 
Um, why do you think he keeps having this recurring dream? Do you have any guesses as far as what's going on in his mind or does it have a connection to the story? What do you think? Good question. Um, I'm kind of wondering if it's just like us looking at his, we've talked about his feeling of like isolation and abandonment and like his, his identity as far as just being alone in the universe. Um, and I wonder if he's feeling that now that he's kind of, uh, all these factions are sort of pitted against him in a way. And he's having to try to figure out where his place is. Um, so I don't know. And, you know, I mean, you know, psychologically and spiritually, you know, uh, as I'm, I'm sure you guys know, just from life, you know, you can be, you can be surrounded by a lot of people or be in a crowd and be lonely. You know, right. um, and I, I wonder now, like, it's interesting, this has just come to me now, but growing up in Camino, again, just the, the, how do you even begin to imagine what it would be like to be in his shoes, where everyone you see, every human you see, every, every day, your whole childhood, has your face or your dad's face, <laughs> but is not you or your dad, and your dad's gone a lot. And you miss him and everyone who's walking past you all day looks exactly like him, but it's not him. <laughs> like that's got to mess you up so, <laughs> to say the least. And I mean, there's nothing that you can really like, as far as we know, like we got a lot deeper sort of look at Camino, you know, in uh, bad batch, but still not a whole lot you can do, I imagine. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I do think, but from the standpoint of this show, I mean, we all, I think appreciate these clips because of our, our prequel knowledge, of course, yeah. and then like Clone Wars and stuff. But it's like, I'm wondering for, for those, and there are a sizable number of those who maybe don't have that background or they're kind of watching this or they're a little unfamiliar where this fits. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that helps them or if, it, <laughs> if it's more confusing to them. Like, wait, when are we going to get some more of that? Like, he's just, you know, like it within this show itself, I feel like it doesn't really explain that, you know, mm. a whole lot. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any more to it than just it's a tragedy that happened to his dad and him. And I don't know, or, or, or the source of him wanting to be a steady father figure. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like if, if we do see that flashback again, I, f I feel like they'll, they're gonna maybe expand on it a little more because usually, you know, yeah, they, they, they show it and then they, they immediately jump to, you know, the, his, time with the the tuscan raiders so i feel like if it's maybe i'll give it one more time if, if, they, if they show <laughs> right. one more time there has to be something more to it i mean right it's and we've seen it we've seen it twice and the second time it was it was longer it was him jumping out of mm -hmm. bed so right. yeah yeah so maybe every time we see it they'll add a little more to it yeah. so um but yeah other than that i i feel like it's it's more along the lines of what you're saying i kind of just take it as like this is that was such a you know, when he's in the back, back to tank, like that's always going to be the first thing, you know, that, that pops into his mind because um, it's something that's going to affect him for the rest of his life. So, um, but we'll see, maybe we'll, th there's a, there's a nugget in there that's yet to be revealed mm -hmm. from that, you know, from his childhood that, that might serve the story. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. So the dream or the memory um, moves on to Boba atop a Bantha. And uh, the Tuscan tribe is watching him ride off across the desert into Mos Eisley. 
And apparently Jawas give directions. <laughs> uh, and we get this background cameo from Tally and her mechanic droids. Did y'all catch that? Mm-hmm. As they're, yeah. as they're putting the helmets up on the, yeah, that yeah. was cool. Yeah, we see the, the what we saw in the Mandalorian series, right? The display of Stormtrooper helmets on spikes. Yeah. That was neat. Oh, um, Angela, so, I'm so sorry for just a second. Uh, yeah. Father, uh, for Father uh, Andrew's sake, or Father Fett's sake, I just remembered that Jawas were, uh, uh, Jawas gave directions to Anakin for how to find the Tuscans. in episode <laughs> two. True. He's standing outside the sand crawler and there is like, so, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> popped in there, I guess. Yeah. I guess they that do is, do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Um, and so Boba speaks to a leader of the Pike Syndicate following up about the protection arrangement that we'd seen him introduce in the last chapter. And the Pike leader tells him that the Nikto Sandriders, a.k.a. the Kinton Striders, have already collected money to cover the same territory. And so he rides back to the Tuscans to find them gone, some of them killed, their belongings destroyed, uh, and on one of the burned tents, there is a graffiti mark of the Kinton Striders. So now before we move on, guys, um, any theories as to, first of all, why is Boba reflecting on this particular memory at this particular time in the story, uh, this tragedy and this situation with the Pikes? It's almost like he's, he's, uh, what's the word? Like when you, premonition, like, because he's going to find out later in the, on in this episode that there's some Pike business going on and so it's kind of cool that he he has Mm -hmm. this memory brand come up while he's in the back to tank but then also like what is your response to just seeing the destruction of the tuscan settlement do you think it really was the uh the kenton striders that did it do you think it was the pikes that did it something else going on what do you guys think it's probably the pikes uh i think so too (laughs) they're they're a shady bunch, and I think that's part of the the reason for the flashback um, and the tie-in at the at the end of the episode, uh, where he realizes, um, you know, the Pikes are are, are part of this. So I, I, um, the, I totally think that it's the Pikes, and um, if not them, whoever is paying the Pikes, like <laughs> above them, if there's mm. someone, you know, even above them. So uh, that's that's sort of my prediction. I agree. Uh, and um, I love, you know, big shout out to Father Roderick, of course, who had a great breakdown of this episode. And I got to admit, the first time around, I think I saw things that weren't there or I just made some assumptions. But then when I went back and watched it, we did officially see that uh, Tuscan chief dead. Mm-hmm. And we saw the staff of the boy, but didn't see the, the woman Tuscan who was training Boba or the kid. And if you don't see them, if you don't see the bodies, they're not dead. I mean, look at how many people think Mace, you know, Mace Windu is still alive. So, um, but even within, you know, just, just good storytelling, I think, I mean, if there's no way that if they were dead, they wouldn't have shown us that. That's so I, I almost wonder if it was like, if it's too obvious, but I'm okay with it. Cause I think it's, I think it's great. And I think we're clearly going to see some sort of team up potentially later. Um, and I don't know where this is a little off topic but maybe not because if you guys remember when when boba first shows up on tython and he's talking to din in mando season two 
he specifically says, I'm here for the, you know, I'm not here for your armor. I'm here for my armor, the armor you got from Cobb Vanth on Tatooine. Like he mentions Cobb Vanth by name. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in this mix before, of course, the events we're seeing here where he's becoming this crime lord leading up to him getting his armor back. There was some sort of, you know, at least awareness of where his armor was. And so we'll see that, I'm sure, potentially play in somehow and maybe to the, the flashbacks, mm. you know, um, in terms of, of I, I wonder just how far some of, of Boba's traipsing around Tatooine went, you know. <laughs> so now we've seen him. He goes back. The, the tribe's gone. But that's only, what, a few weeks, maybe months after he came out of the Sarlacc. Like, we've still got a five, four and a half year gap. Mm-hmm. You know, which is really intriguing. And um, I'm wondering if he ends up finding them or linking back up with the, the remaining Tuscans and that they will come into play like they're sort of his secret weapon here. Right. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what's he talking like? We'll be ready. Like what with your Back to the Future 2 gang, the two, <laughs> the two pig guys and the untrained Rancor? I don't really. Just, <laughs> you're going against the Pikes. Like he clear, but he, you know, he knows what he's doing. So. Yeah. yeah and you know, I'm Chris Santos is probably coming sleep. back too. Oh, right? yeah. That was, I was not expecting that. And that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but, well, to go back to the, the Tuscan uh, yeah. scene here, beautifully haunting music. I mean, yeah. I really loved it. The choral music, um, yeah. very much like a funeral mass. Yeah. And, um, and he takes the child's staff from his cloak. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing that he, he really carefully like places it at the base of that pyre. It's not like the other staffs that he's just kind of like, you know, piling on top, but Mm. he just, he really like lovingly places that there. And then we see him like, you know, teary eyed, like he's crying. And I just, I wonder if there's something going on with, you know, obviously he had a, a relationship with these people that was very deep. I mean, mm-hmm. from what we saw last chapter, um, but especially with the child, I almost wonder if he somehow formed a bond with this child or maybe saw himself in this child and thinking that the child was gone, was lost and separated from his father, that he saw himself in that child. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I can't help but wonder if, there is that kind of connection there. Um, so I, I agree, actually, in, in what you just said, just to reiterate that, because I, yeah. I hadn't thought of it quite that way, because, I, again, I think we're all pretty confident that the boy's not dead, in which case he's lost his... We, we don't know for sure that the chief is his father, I don't think, but it seems that that's at least a, a possibility or a likelihood, maybe. Yeah. And where you do then have that that repeating, you know, where he would know exactly what he feels like and... Yeah, that's that's a really cool thought. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll end up seeing him like grown up maybe a few years like as a, you know, in his early 20s or late teens or something. Yeah, because oh, I forgot series. about that. Yeah, because he's these, these are the flashbacks. So he's maybe mm-hmm. what, like 10? I think the actor actually the actor who plays him is uh, Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. Oh, really? Yeah, I forget. Oh. Jonathan Kimmel is his dad. And I guess Jimmy Kimmel's younger brother. He's director. Oh, cool. I was just looking. He was one of the kids in uh, WandaVision. Oh, um, that wow. just came out. So he's, you know, 10, 12, something like that. Mm-hmm. So he would be, you know, of, of military age or whatever, <laughs> or fighting right. age or by the yeah. time of the, the, the current timeline, which would be cool. Like, what if he's like the new leader or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. 
All right, so we are rudely interrupted in Dreamland here by Black Hersantin, <laughs> uh attempting to assassinate Boba. Um, guys, this really, like, I loved that that this completely took me by surprise. I don't know yeah. how you guys felt about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I had this exchange on YouTube with someone who, I think this is kind of related to this particular scene because they said that this show was ruining Boba Fett by showing him getting beaten in his quote-unquote tidy whities <laughs> um, And that really got me thinking about how maybe some people are upset with the show because they liked Boba Fett when he was just the masked macho bounty hunter. And now we're seeing that he's like an extremely vulnerable man. And we've talked about like his loneliness, perhaps his abandonment in this episode. You know, we see him loss. Uh, with loss, like losing his family, right? In the Tuscans. Um, you can't really get more vulnerable, like as an adult, than sleeping in your back to tank, right? <laughs> like, so I've, I've, been, I've been waiting since Wednesday to bring this up, and I haven't written that. It was the first <laughs> thing I wrote down. I'm so sorry, but I'm just like, I could not unsee it. Why does Boba Fett's underwear have a belt? Because <laughs> it's Star Wars. And I, can, I had to go yeah. back and rewatch the scene a few times because I wasn't really paying attention to the actual. I was like, hold on, this is OK. Let me back up because that's it's like Batman's <laughs> utility belt. You know, it's just as silly as like, why is this underwear on the outside of his costume? <laughs> just, but it, it reminded me a little bit of the Dimitri Martin joke years ago when he said he got uh, pajamas recently with pockets in him. He's like, which is great because I used to have to hold things when I slept. <laughs> you know, so I was like, what does he need a belt for? But uh, no, but yeah, that's I, I agree, though, the, the vulnerability thing. It's a difficult thing because, you know, you have this character who's so. Traditionally, so much the mask, mm -hmm. right? And now mm -hmm. he's unmasked. But I, I don't know. I think this show is doing a good job of balancing it where, you know, they have Tam in the helmet. I think enough to just enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's not too much. It's not too little. That's that's at least my opinion on it. I mean, what was there to ruin, really? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. amazing how, I mean, we all know, like, the, the legend of Boba Fett before the, mm -hmm. he came back, you know, and appeared in Mandalorian, and now we have the show. If you just take it at face value of what we got from the original trilogy, I mean, there's not much to work <laughs> off of. So it's really right. yeah, any... Like, look you know, what they've created. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a miracle that they, they've been able to do that. Um, so yeah, I think it's that's sort of a a silly thing to complain about in general. <laughs> I had a, a friend of mine was complaining about like like does Boba Fett not bleed? Like he took some real shots uh, from Chrysanthemum. I'm like, well, he just got out of the back to tank. I'm sure that <laughs> <Yeah>. helps. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's uh, gonna, you know, it's still the, working. Yeah. The healing powers are still are still uh, working itself out. So uh, um, yeah, I think that's funny. And yeah, his 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 underwear really just. Looks like a big diaper. Uh, <laughs> They're like designing his underwear. Like, hmm, how can we make this boba underwear? Let's put a belt on it. Yeah, seriously. Um, and yeah, it's that that uh, it's, I think it's that vulnerability. You never know when you're going to get attacked, so you got to be ready to fight at any time. Um, and it, it served him well <laughs> this this go around. Um, but yeah, that's, like a that's, cowboy with his boots on, right in bed. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was yeah, that was a great. It was cool to see Chris Anton in action. I'm glad that he wasn't just like a little uh, tease for like the oh, comic book fans. Um, he was a monster. It was yes. amazing. Oh, that was that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so the fight ended kind of like, you know, fights between siblings late at night when dad comes in tying his robe, kind of <laughs> surveying the damage, you know, like, mm, let's see what happened here. Uh, that's, that's how I saw the scene. I can't unsee that. Um, and, I, and, and I just kept imagining like Boba's thinking this whole time as he's being strangled, like, I have guards. Why? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, Andrew, it's like, yeah. you know, Godfather too, a little bit of a hat, not really like a hat tip here. The whole like. You know, they're not shooting at him through the window, you know, it's <laughs> right into grandma, but like middle of the night, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, but he does order that the uh, the injured Gamorrean be taken to his Bacta tank. So another, you know, character revealing kind of personality moment there. Um, and then over dinner, we have Fennec and Fett, a.k.a. mom and dad, as far as I'm concerned, um, <laughs> talking about next moves. But they're interrupted by 88 announcing that the twins have brought a gift and which turns out to be a rancor. And uh, they say that they've sent Kersantan to kill Boba and they apologize. And they also say that they're leaving Tatooine because the mayor has already promised the territory to another syndicate. And they leave Kersantan with Boba, who frees him with no hard feelings. (laughs) Uh, so what are your guys thoughts about the whole situation with the twins? Like, do you think they're telling the truth They're, I mean, obviously they're playing the political game here. Um, but what do you, th- do you have any theories about what's going on with them? I don't trust anything. That they do. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, there's a little, I mean, you know, Danny Trejo's character kind of doesn't reveal his hand at the end when, when Boba leaves the room. But you're kind of not sure, you know, where he stands. And, right. and it's it's kind of more, I'm kind of basing this more off the twins. It's like, I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that, you know, they, along with this rancor is, uh, you know, uh, giving him this handler that they also, you know, gifted along mm-hmm. with it, with the rancor. I, I, you know, I, I kind of say, I, I was kind of surprised at how, giddy boba was about it uh, it was I, I, maybe maybe he's just a huge rancor fan i don't know he was, he was like he was like a little kid with a brand new toy uh he just couldn't wait puppy. yeah exactly um, but yeah i would totally i totally do not trust danny Trejo's character and uh whatever he may have planned mm. that's in cahoots with the the twins so um yeah, I don't I don't feel like they they would just leave and I I think I think they gave Boba like a sort of a a chance to leave unscathed by encouraging him to leave, you know? Right. Uh, so so they they could come right back in and I think the Rancor might might be their their sort of plan mm-hmm. B if if Boba is is going to stick around. Mm. Um and and maybe they have that in their pocket. I, yeah, I just, you know, maybe you guys feel differently, but I, I don't trust any gift from those guys um, or any truce. So um, that's what well, you figure. I, I feel like he's probably been double crossed so many times he would. Right. I, I can't imagine that he's going to be like, you know, going to Danny Trejo and like, you want to go grab a beer and let's be friends. You know, like, <laughs> no, like and uh, but, but yeah, I, I think I I tend to agree. I, I don't know. Um, I just wonder, like with the huts. Like, they're still kind of mysterious to me in terms of, like, I'm looking at it from their perspective as best I can and thinking, like, what, what even, what even is this empire to them versus what they have? Or do they have other, I mean, it's a big galaxy, you know, they're saying they basically have, have more 
profitable business, uh, you know, elsewhere. So mm-hmm. oh, maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they don't care. That's the way they're playing it. I, I think I could see it going either way. In one way, it was like they really built them up and it was a really cool introduction to them in episode two. But now to kind of have it, you know, like their second appearance seeming to legitimately be like a ducking out or, or at least not being front and center as they introduce the pikes, you know, I could see it going either way. I think they're at least I, th- I feel like there's at least more to what they're saying, you know, than just a simple like, yeah, have fun. We'll see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did. I love, though, I love Boba's like just the way he gave Chrysanthemum that advice of just like. And I guess from the comics, which I haven't read, I guess they've met up before. Like they they have a history to some degree as well. I think they both were bounty hunters for for Vader, you know, together at some point. I saw in one of the comics or something. But uh, I just like that's just the you know from an ex bounty hunter. He's really driving that home. Like he's not a bounty hunter anymore. Yeah, you know, don't yeah. work for Skughole. <laughs> he just runs away. That, that was, was fantastic. Fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for Chrysanthemum to to come back and. Oh, oh to yeah. help Boba Fett out, you know. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, uh, hopefully that that sort of advice that he gives him, you know, he, he gets rewarded for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't trust Danny uh, Trejo, but I definitely am glad that he's in Star Wars now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and we also got Danny some... Trejo is canon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of canon, I was just going to say we got so, like Boba confirms that he has ridden creatures 10 yes. times the size of a Rancor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and also this uh, reference to the witches of Dathomir, which I mean, you could argue that yeah. it's still kind of a legend within canon, but it is re- referenced now in canon um, that they have trained Rancor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool, too. And was that you guys remind me, was that in was that a, a um uh, a Clone Wars thing or was that like a comics thing? Because I, I don't that I was couldn't a, remember. Um, uh well it was definitely Legends. Um okay. I wanna say it was comics, uh, but it might have been okay. a, in a book. Uh but the whole okay. con the whole storyline was that there was this uh basically how Dathomir came to be the way that we know it now in canon is that uh, there was rancors that were terrorizing the planet and eating people. And so the the females in Dathomir had this one uh, person who kind of became like the leader because she she basically trained a rancor and was would ride it. And she cleared out the okay. rancors and made the males uh, the slaves right. and of the of the witches. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of the story basically okay yeah so pretty cool but um anyway so so the mayor's office wouldn't give them an appointment so now we're going over to uh the mayor's office with the the speeder bike gang or the spy kids or whatever and they won't give him an appointment so we get this chase scene happening all right here it is guys there's been a lot of grief over this so i want to hear your take on this um i'm me watching it the first time without, you know, obviously getting to let it sink in or read like other people's opinions. I yeah. didn't have a problem with the chase scene. That mm-hmm. was cool. And like, you kind of have to go slow because the, the streets <laughs> are narrow and there's like, you know, mar- you know, little pop-up uh, markets and, you know, street markets all over the place. So yeah. it's kind of the nature of how the chase had to go. <laughs> um, so I didn't feel like it, it, uh, 
it was lame because of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, the, it was it was a funny chase scene because of all the you know the antics and and running and running into all the d- sorts of uh, you know uh, little food markets and and all the characters we see narrowly escape death. Like it was it was I thought it was really fun. Um, it, it showed that it also showed that you know these are young kids. I mean they they um, they made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, they're not particularly the best at writing those uh vespas <laughs> um, <laughs> uh especially in in tight tight quarters um so i thought it was i thought it was a great scene uh it was colorful it was um full of everything you, you know you would want from a scene like that in a in a show like this yeah. uh, and um again i know i know the the appearance of of this youth gang or whatever you want to call them, the spy mm-hmm. kids uh, could be a little jarring <laughs> because they don't look like anything else right. uh, from star Wars. But I think that's always a welcome thing. You know, it's, it's nice to see characters that are, you know, a little more colorful and not so, you know, another desert type, right. You know, character with, muted, you know, muted colors, dirty, yeah. you know, sand colored vehicles and, it's like we have enough of that. Uh, it's it's cool to it's, see something. It's based different. on Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, I I enjoyed it, and I I, I feel like um, it, it it works for me. So I had a good time. Mike. Yeah. I you know I'm not going to pile on or anything. I I think the only <laughs> the only um, I personally think it's like what I was saying earlier about just not any sort of elimination or complete change up, but as far as the, the speeders themselves, in my opinion, I, th- I think you, I think it would have felt a lot different if they like, as far as being all the, the, the really bright colors and everything, I don't think it was so much that for me is I just think it's a strange, des- I, I think it's a design that doesn't mm. look intimidating. Like it looks like kind of a Vespa, you know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> so I, I just, I, when I look at it, it doesn't really like as a machine, it doesn't really convey okay. a sense of like, now with with uh what was the the uh, i forget the major domo's name but like his speeder was very reminiscent i thought of like luke's you know yeah. which would make sense but but it's also like you could tell it's like a cadillac you know what i mean like it, or it's right. like a nicer you know like the kind of thing that the mayor's major domo would be driving and mm-hmm. i thought that was a neat detail um and you know i thought he sold it pretty well you know in terms of like he's definitely he wants to get out of there like this is not kind of the, <laughs> this is not the kind of thing he's used to doing you know and uh, and it's and it, i thought it made sense to have it be kind of a awkward clunky kind of like oh yeah hang on just a minute and like locks the door and just makes a run for it you know it reminded me a little bit of some episodes of psych when they really have the you know the person at the end and they just start running and sean will look at the camera and be like really he's ru- he's running you know like <laughs> why you know like we're we're gonna get you like there's cops everywhere but but um but yeah, so for me, it was just honestly just the the aesthetic of like the design of the speeder that I just I was like, I it just doesn't look intimidating. Yeah. I don't know. Gotcha. But but my main thing, and this is what I was hinting at earlier. Honest to God, I think I think if you sped it up <laughs> like to one and a quarter speed, like uh-huh. not double it, not nuts, because I think you'd still get what well, I think Andrew made some great points about it's confined, but it had I felt like it was just. I felt like it was kind of directed and really given that that like, oh, this is a crazy fast chase. But when you're watching mm. it, it's like, but it's not, not really. Yeah, like it's not. Or it's almost like it's not as 
dangerous or as big of a deal as as like the music would convey or that kind sure. of thing. So that's why I just wondered a little bit like it um that that was one thing I I wanted to test out a little later. Just go back like speed it up just a tiny bit and see how it looks. That was my theory, but uh but yeah, so I I had fun picking it apart a little bit. I I, I didn't read a whole lot or listen to a whole lot either. I've I've gotten the impression that there was a lot of <laughs> <laughs> like really you know can you can you imagine you know star wars fans piling on with something but um um but yeah as far as anyone that would that might have been saying like that somehow ruined the episode or something i was like no i mean it's i think that goes back to the problem i in my opinion i mentioned at the beginning as far as just it's a chapter you mm. know there's many more to come you know and I thought it was meant to be cheesy and fun. I mean, again, Robert yeah. Rodriguez did direct Spy Kids. Um. Kids in the sandbox <laughs> with their Star Wars toys. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's, you know what it is? Maybe the speeders are those toys when it's like, I'm now I'm the oldest, so I never ran into this. But, you know, I hear these stories of like younger siblings in the 80s and 90s who got the hand-me-down Star Wars toys. Uh-huh. You know, or, or like you run, you don't have enough speeders, so you bring in your, your you know, Transformers yeah. toys and stuff too. Right. <laughs> so it's something that's a little... I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't quite fit, but I'm going to make it work. You know, it's so that, that might be part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, something I, funny. Something funny I want to bring up that uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when they first enter uh, to see the mayor and they approach the major domo, you know, Fennec and, and, and Boba Fett, they're, they're, they're carrying the, their guns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny when Fennec threatens him, she just points to a tiny gun <laughs> like, <laughs> behind her. Like, was the message not sent as they walked yeah. in? Like, it's like, like, I got a little pistol here. Like, yeah, you, better, <laughs> you better let us in or this little pistol right here is going to get you. Not this, this huge rifle that, that's, that I'm carrying in. And, and I didn't notice that. And then Boba's ready, like with his finger on the trigger already. Like it's, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. That is pretty hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely, you know, this was fun. And um, to me, they, I mean, maybe they didn't hit every chase scene trope in the book, but they hit several, like, you know, driving into the painting, several fruit stands, toppling over, you know. Um, And then we continue to see this importance of the female youth um, mm-hmm. who is credited as being named Drash, D-R-A-S-H. And I'm guessing that this may have been a Robert Rodriguez contribution, but or at least inspired by him because he directed Alita Battle Angel and she very much reminds me mm-hmm. of that character. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the cyborg female, um, I wonder if she's going to, I don't know if she's the leader of the group or if she's just seems to be more competent than the others or quicker than the others. I don't know. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they, they try to, you know, make anything else of this character. Well, I, can I just throw one more thing in real quick, Angela, yeah. as far as the, because I think there's a practical thing here too, from the standpoint of, um, I'm certainly no expert on, on the level of work that goes into animating something, for example, like um, Bad Batch. But, you know, that chase scene in Bad Batch that, that, that we saw with Fennec and everything compared to this, but it's like, you're you're in one case you're you're animating it and you kind of make it whatever you want it to be mm-hmm. versus you know you do have confines of course with with actors and what you're capable to do with with uh cg versus you know what wherever they're at in the volume and everything and they do not have the budget of like episode two or something like that so i i, I think to be fair they there are limits <laughs> to what oh, yeah. they can reasonably sure. do they can't they can't make the pod chase scene from episode 1 for this show you know so uh, that's something i think that that should just be mentioned as well 
Yeah, but I mean, also at the same token, we shouldn't, as an audience, we shouldn't be thinking about that. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But anyway, it, it was fun for me. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, and so we learned that the mayor is with the Pikes. Um, cue transition to a spaceport where we see several Pikes coming onto the planet. And it is reported to Fett and Fennec by another of the uh, youth. Uh, and we're left with the statement, they're going to war. So why have the Pikes become Boba Fett's nemesis? Like, what's going to happen? I don't know if you guys have any suspicions or, uh, I mean, are we really going to get a war? I, I'm kind of hoping that we are because that'd be a great way to end the series. Um, but it also it's just Wars. really curious, like <laughs> this whole thread through Boba's life seems to, yeah. or at least this part that we're seeing is the Pikes. So what's I think there's on? definitely more with, with, with the Tuscan storyline, of course, cause that's just not there for no reason. But other than that, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think, I suspect Pikes were behind that, but what, what, you know, the Pikes running a spice syndicate or your intergalactic crime syndicate, they can't possibly, you know, be coming to exact revenge on Boba Fett because he took some of their operatives out on Tatooine. I just, I don't really, I think there's more to it than that, Mm. Um, but Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I'm very curious myself. Yeah. I don't know if it's like them specifically like going like going after Boba if it's just bad timing and it's just like a coincidence that like he has to deal with them. Um but obviously it has like there is some sort of history there is history there. Um but yeah I I, I with that line at the end he 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 knows like that there's more coming and, and this is just the first wave. So uh he he's he's aware of what is about to what he might have to face. So um, yeah, I think there's, like you said, there's there's probably going to be a lot more to it. It's probably not just going to be as simple as like an all out war. I mean, there are what four episodes left. So um, whether that's going to be the sort of the the climax of this show or or there's something even bigger waiting in the wings, we'll see. Um, you know, maybe he takes care of the pikes in the next episode, <laughs> and then but and then there's something bigger. Uh, who knows? Um, but um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot more there. Mm-hmm. I think just on a meta level, if you think about, you know, as you guys were saying, it it's probably not the pikes coming directly for Boba, uh, but you know, we always have that thing. Like, I think everybody has that one thing in your life that just really kind of seems to keep coming up <laughs> and it seems like it's coming for you, but it's, it's really not. It's just the way that life is. And so I kind of wonder if that's part of Boba's like hero's journey, you know, is like just coming to terms with what that is and defeating it somehow. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of that, that could be sort of the the meta level that that they could write um into the story here um any other reflections or observations because this is the end of the episode here <laughs> i can't wait for wednesday <laughs> as <laughs> usual yeah all right well what about you guys listening please email us your thoughts about the book of boba fett or anything star wars at star wars at sqpn.com and find star quest on facebook 
at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. You can leave a comment there or simply tweet us at SQPN and share the podcast on social media. We received a couple of emails uh, since uh, our last, uh, I guess, feedback report. And so first, I want to bring up uh, an email from our friend Jeff, who is wondering whether Boba is prematurely aging due to being a clone. And that's his theory for why Boba is always in this back to tank. And he is predicting that the events of Bad Batch Season 2 may be important to Boba's story and perhaps tie in a reason to involve Omega in the book of Boba Fett. So Jeff has fan-casted Frankie Adams as Omega, a live-action Omega. She played Bobby Draper in The Expanse. Um, Just wondering what your guys' initial take is on that. Thanks, Jeff, for your feedback. Wow. That's a lot. I like that. I mean... he he could totally be on the right track uh, as far as like um, Bad Batch uh, tying in, b- being an important part of this story. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Frankie Adams. I, didn't, I haven't watched The Expanse, um, but I know there are a lot of fans of that show. Um, and I think SQPN does a podcast series on it. Or I maybe think we have. have. We have yeah. in the past, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, check it out if you haven't um, uh, and you're a fan of that show. But yeah, that's that's there's a lot there, but I think that's totally plausible. I th- I think you know, and of course, you know, I I've been one of the many, you know, hoping for and and I think it's pretty likely at some point some kind of um uh omega connection or tie-in at some point. I mean, otherwise I'm not saying that's the only reason for her character to exist, but you know, I mean, they do very clearly d- describe boba as alpha and she's omega mm-hmm. and there's there's this this pairing that's not a mistake and, and we have a great opportunity here with this um just for the for the record i find this kind of funny um the i was just checking this to make sure i was right on this um let me just double check here yeah so um i'm still fan casting michelle ang to play omega who does her voice mm-hmm. on the show because she's actually 38 years old um, she just she sounds a lot younger um and boba this is i know there's been a lot of discussion about this but boba is canonically 41 years old mm-hmm. in the in the contemporary timeline you know so in the flashbacks he's what 36 37 mm-hmm. and tem is not <laughs> in his late <laughs> 30s early and he doesn't i mean he looks great for his age he's like 60 but you know i mean you're, you're talking basically as as old as Django was you figure like when he played him that's how old Boba's supposed to be now according to yeah. the the canonical dates um so i think that's a great explanation because we've never seen that before right i mean where are the other clones like captain rex you know we saw him and you know show up a bunch of times tem has expressed a joyful interest at potentially playing him and i think you're missing an opportunity if you don't have that happen at some point mm-hmm. you know but um but i think that's a great explanation i think it's it's something that would tie everything together it would enable like anyone who's like critical of of you know tem playing boba with that much of a gap i think that just eliminates that and it's it's i don't think it's like a completely you know out of place fabricated kind of thing i think that would be a really cool explanation so yeah i i I love that observation we'll see yeah And, and i'm very i'm very excited to see omega in uh, mm-hmm. live action. Um, so thanks, Jeff. And then we also heard from Michelle, 
And she wrote in saying, first, I have to say that despite not being Catholic, I'm Jewish. I enjoy your podcast and the religious remarks that you make. I always find it interesting to see different perspectives of anything. As I'm writing this email, I'm taking a home exam about international relations theory. Now, for a while, I've been thinking in Star Wars terms, as it's easier to envision politics when it's species and planets rather than your next door neighbor. But now I have written a sentence about a theory being in the middle, in that it doesn't intervene. And boy, did I almost call it the Bendu. (laughs) My professor (laughs) is a Star Wars fan, but not that big of a fan. And sadly, I'm pretty sure if I add that, it will be marked down. But Angela, I hope you appreciate this. Hopefully, I will soon have more time to write to you guys. But until next time, this is the way. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) Yes, I do appreciate that. Um, and certainly, you know, I'm sure international relations and politics is, is a lot more interesting when you just kind of assign different species to uh, <laughs> different uh, countries and so forth. That's that sounds pretty cool. So, yeah, all the best to you in your studies. All right. So uh, we want to shout out some special people who made this episode possible as well. Our patrons. Thanks to them all, including Sean T., Clayton R., Ramona F., Jeffrey L., and William W. And you can join them by becoming a patron at sqpn.com slash give. And uh, everyone can definitely help the podcast by simply leaving a review, especially if you use Spotify because they recently introduced podcast ratings. Just a reminder, ratings help us to know how we're doing and also helps Secrets of Star Wars get seen by more people who'd be interested in listening So thanks for doing so now, especially on Spotify. And finally, if you'd like to represent the family of the secrets of Star Wars, check out our merch with the design encapsulating our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. You can get that at sqpn.com slash merch. All right. So next week, we'll be back to take a deeper look into episode four of the book of Boba Fett. So until next time, Mike, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Always such a pleasure. (laughs) And thank you, Andrew, as well. Thank you. Glad to be here. And once again, I'm Angela Cialana. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Quest.